On Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting this game, streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Summer edition. Really starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. It's great to have your company on Sky Sports Radio. This is Punter's Postmortem. Luke Marlow with you this morning. I'll be filling in for Dave Stanley over the next couple of weeks. And I'm actually looking forward to interviewing the great man at 11 o'clock today for Monday's Experts. But first, it will be Punter's Postmortem. We've got Brad Davidson, Chris Roots, Dean Lester, and your calls on 13 53 53. Or you can text me 0419 272. Before we get into it and say good day to the boys, let's check today's scratchings with Tanya Thomas. Hi, Morning, Tanya. Luke. Morning to everyone else. We have racing in New South Wales today in Tamworth and Bathurst. Let's start with Tamworth, where the weather is fine. The track a good four. The rail is out four metres from the 800 to the winning post. True the remainder. And there are 37 scratchings. The first race at 135, take out number two, Oakfield Pinto. Three, Cristalino, 14, Quest for Honour and the Emergency, 18. Two, three, 14 and 18. Race two, number one, Darcy Scarface. Eight, Elegant Poetus. Ten, Louisiana Iris. 14, Rock Barton Ruby. And the Emergencies, 15 and 16. One, eight, 10, 14, 15 and 16. Race three, number 10, Let's Get Ridiculous. Emergencies, 15 and 16. 10, 15 and 16. To race four, number four, Rock Barton Pat, five, Civil War, six, My Belladonna, seven, Alibi Dot, eight, uh, Abuela, and the emergencies 13, 15, and 16. Four, five, six, seven, eight, 13, 15, and 16. Race five, take out one, Anathol, four, Highest Standard, eight, Hercules Mo, and 12, Supreme Streak. One, four, eight, and 12. Race six, number two, Brother Bassey. Eight, Santa Margarita. 14, Hey There McNair. And the emergency, 15. Two, eight, 14, and 15. Race seven, number one, Single Crown. Two, Kinship. Seven, Alex Eva. And the emergency, 15. One, two, seven, and 15. And race eight, take out one, Dead Devil. Seven, Mr. Cruz. Nine, Fox Spirit. And the emergency, 16. One, seven. 7, 9 and 16 from race 8 at Tamworth. To Bathurst, the weather is overcast. The track is soft 6. The rail is true. Penetrometer 6.24 and there are 22 scratchings. The first race at 150, take out number 5, Balmain Lad and 9, Press Estate, 5 and 9. Race 2, number 7, Boongarra Girl, number 7. From the third, number 1, Call Me Smurf, 5, Double Coco, 8, November Rhythm and 9 1 Hell of a Sun, 1 5 8 and 9. Race 4 take out 1 Leander's Dream, 4 Ruby Gal, 5 Wolf Queen, 6 Williams Bay, 10 Zoo Lover and the Emergency 15, 1 4 5 6 10 and 15. Race 5 number 1 Highest Standard, 11 Smart Casual and 12 Zamali. 1, 11 and 12. Race 6, number 2, Sanctioned. 6, Deshawn and 8, Patane. 
2, 6 and 8. And race 7, takeout 1, Speed Zone, 11, Chesty and the Emergency 17. Luke will take out 1, 11 and 17 from race 7 at Bathurst. Fabulous, Tanya. You have a great day. Those are today's scratchings. And I'll tell you what, we've got two fantastic meetings in New South Wales today at Tamworth and also Bathurst. Eight races at Tamworth and seven of the best at Bathurst. It is punters post-mortem, just about to go 11 past nine. Sky Sports Radio, it's great to have your company of a Monday. Your calls, 13 53 53. If you'd like to get in touch with us, Dean Lester, Chris Roots and Brad Davidson are on today for punters post-mortem. Let's go down to Melbourne first and say good day to Dean Lester. How are you this morning, Dean? Hello there, Luke. Um, well, thank you. Fantastic, mate. How was Flemington on Saturday? Flemington was good. It wasn't. There was no feature racing, but uh, some promising horses nonetheless. And uh, track played perfect, so at least we can get a good handle on the form. And uh, we've got a good series of summer racing coming up, and that's a, that was a good platform for it on Saturday. We certainly do, mate. Uh, look forward to getting your thoughts on it all, and uh, no doubt our listeners will be keen to get in touch with you as well. As I say, good day to Chris Roots. Chris, breaking news shortly as you're about to join us, because Glenn Munsey has chimed in. I didn't think we were going to get him today, Boydo. But Glenn Munsey, he's dialed in, so you'll have to find him on the panel. He uh, He's going to join us on Punters Postmortem this morning. I didn't reach out. Hello, mate. Oh, he is there. Hello, Muns. Hello, Luke. Well, it's Monday morning at 9 o'clock, Luke. What else well, have you got to do? Do you know what, Muns? I just I thought you were, were off this morning, mate. Uh, so it's it's a lo- lovely surprise, I must say. No, no, I must admit, Luke, it is down <laughs> on the, the, the roster as being a rostered day off uh, for me, but that's each and every Monday. That's each and every Monday. It's, a, it's yes. an amazing thing on the roster. It says 9 to 10 Sky Sports Radio. Uh, nine to five rostered day off. You're so, too good, yeah, Munz. It's, it's, it's one of the anomalies of the system there. But good morning to Dean. Good morning to you, Luke. Good morning to listeners. And uh, I didn't, uh, I must admit, I didn't pay particular attention to the races there at Ramwick on Saturday because I was running the National Jockeys Trust luncheon and we were oh. timing things with our interviews and uh, auctions and things and the like there to fit in between the races at Randwick and actually during uh, drawing the auction, uh, drawing the raffle prizes at the end there, we missed the start of one of the races. So uh, oh. I got into a little bit of trouble for that. Well, Munz, yeah, you know, that's uh, that's probably something you should keep an eye on, mate. Uh, well, they did, race have, course. they did have 28 prizes, uh, <laughs> Luke, to get through in a room of 300 people and uh, to get them through there. So, uh, But we, we got there in the end anyway. You did, mate. Uh, let's say, say good day to Brad Davidson as well, who's been good enough to give us his time on this Monday. How are you, Davo? Morning, Luke. Morning, Munz. Uh, morning, Dino and, and Chris when he gets there and to everyone listening. Yeah, it was a, uh, a decent meeting out there at Ramwick on Saturday, guys. Um, I think there some horses handled that win better than others. There was quite a uh, strong headwind in, in the home straight, so some popped out wide and, and really struggled into it and never got into the race at all, and others others seemed to seemed to handle it fine. So I think that was a, a deciding factor in a few races, but um, no, it was a, a good meeting and plenty of horses popping their hand up for being horses to follow over the next few months. So how do we handle uh, the buyer Saturday, mate? Did you did you think there was something there with that wind or what are we doing going forward with that meeting? Yeah, I, look, I thought the track played pretty well. Um, early on, I thought it was very hard to lead, but then there were a few horses that got it a bit softer out in front and, and they were able to kick on pretty well. So um, I just think it's a, it's a bit of a case-by-case basis. Uh, you know, the sort of certain horses that you... You know, Batega was one who got out into that wind and, and seemed to struggle. There were a few others that uh, that made their runs out wide. So, I mean, there's a couple you can probably forgive, and then there's a few that you probably were on their last chance already. So they might be uh, might be in the thin bin. But um, yeah, it's always always a bit tricky to 
sort of decipher that wind and, and see who it impacts more than others. And I think the other factor, of course, guys, it was a really hot day there. Um, I didn't know much of that. I was in the aircon the whole day. But um, uh, it was obviously uh, impacting some horses more than others, and we had quite a few horses pull up slow to recover. Mm, we did. Um, we certainly did, mate. Uh, well, that, that's interesting. And well done, too, on the tip. Uh, I see you found a few winners there. Too much to bear. Probably one of the highlights for yourself in race two at good odds. And it was a fantastic return by that horse. I think he's one we might see a bit more a bit more of going forward. He's a, he's a horse that's got plenty of ability, guys. Um, the only query there on Saturday was whether that 1,400 was a, a little bit short for him. Um, but he was the class run of the race, and she's had to give him a big start from the wide draw, and he's still been able to mow them down. He was one that was able to come wide on that track and handle that wind. And, yeah, I think he's a, a really nice prospect. I mean, you go back to last preparation, we've got, we've got to remember he, to win uh, down in Victoria. He beat Mr. Brightside. That horse came out and won six races since and ran fourth in a Group 1 Cantala. So... He's always had that ability and he's rounded out with a really good win at Kembla before a break. And we see these horses, another preparation under their belt with Chris Waller and they just continue to go from strength to strength. And yeah, he's in for a great campaign and might be one of those that can really progress the next couple of months and even head in towards the autumn. So we'll see where, where he ends up. Give us a call. 13 53 53 is that open line number. If you've got a question or query for the boys, even if you've got a grievance, we're happy to air that as well. Chris Roots is joining us as well on Punters Postmortem this morning. Morning, Chris. Hi, Luke, Dean, Glenn and um, Brad. I hope you all had a good winning weekend. It was um, certainly interesting racing. was, mate. How was it for you? Did you uh, have a fill-up? It was okay. Um, Christmas got a little bit sweeter, let's say. Beautiful. I see you um, were quite keen on that two-year-old in race one, Fireburn. What was your reaction to its win in the first? Well, I think it was just it, it just got in the perfect spot. You were very comfortable a long way out with it. And see, Gary Portelli said it's it's not a slipper horse. I think he's looking more towards the fourteen and sixteen hundred meter races, being a rebel Dane. And um, of course, owned by Steve Steve Grant, um, who who had shares in Rebel Dane, and Laurel Oak, who also had shares in Rebel Dane. So mm-hmm. they've supported their stallion. They might have got a good little filly here, and it was a it was a, a good enough win to suggest that they going going forward. It's going to be a horse to follow, and maybe over a little bit further. He's always got a good two-year-old in the barn, Gary Portelli. He can find one. Question from Steve on the text line here. Hi, guys. For Dino, scorched earth on Saturday. Looked impressive, especially ridden off the speed. How did you rate the win, and where does it go next? Cheers, and Merry Christmas to all the panel. Great show during the year. That's from Steve. Dino? She was very impressive. She trolled exactly like that going in, so it was no shock that she came out and won, but it was good to see a... uh, Three-year-old filly, with with the, probably the exception of Espiona, the three-year-old fillies have looked a little bit lean, uh, and but for her to beat the older horses was encouraging. And uh, she, I think John Maloney's trying to get her to the Magic Millions, whether uh, she runs in a 1,300 fillies and mares or the 1,400 guineas, but uh, I think she's uh, trying to get to the Magic Millions carnival. She won the Magic Millions two-year-old in Adelaide earlier in the year. And D. Oliver aboard, mate, he just continues to bang them out, doesn't he? He's just uh, riding as well as ever, it seems. Uh, yeah, some of his rides in the past week, uh, Friday night, uh, if you get a chance to watch his ride on Sweet Carolina, it was uh, something to uh, to watch because he, he just, it was patience personified, but he just used the the angles and uh, when the runs came, he took them and uh, it was, it was uh, yeah, a fantastic ride and that's why he's... Uh, He's a legend, and he's right up there in the premiership race at the moment, which is really interesting. There's only about, uh, I think, two winners between four of the jockeys at the moment, so they're uh, you know they're well and truly uh, battling it out.
Mm, absolutely. Nino, who's, who's, Bruno, who's, who's your pick for the Jockeys Premiership? Because Jamie Carr's come back. It might, might be something people are interested in having a bet on because there's a there's a raft of jockeys there that could win it, really. Well, she, she's been deemed she can't win it, so she could ride the most winners if there was a market for the most winners, but she's about 20 odd behind But because she's had a suspension longer than two months. Uh, Racing Victoria have decided that she can't win the premiership, which is most unusual because she was only suspended. Um, I, at the start of the season, thought Craig Williams, because he's so close to getting to the records, but so is Damien Oliver, and I didn't know if Damien had it in him, but right at the moment, I think he absolutely has. So, uh, uh, And it, then it comes down to Damien Lane, whether he takes up, you know, if, he, if the opportunity came for him to go to Japan next year, like he has in previous winters, so he'd miss winter. So there's a few things to play out, but I, I think because Damien and Craig are very close to uh, getting to Roy Higgins' record, that they'd be very keen to, to play on. Yeah, well, Damien Lane is the favourite for the Jockeys Premiership. You can back this uh, bet in this market yep. under Racing Extras. Damien Lane, a $3 chance over Craig Williams at three twenty. He's the most popular rider at the moment. Jai McNeil's at three eighty. Brett Pebbles at 6 Damien Oliver's at 8 And the other riders that are quoted are Josh Richards, John Allen, Michael D, Daniel Moore, and Linda Meach. So... Uh, there are the riders there. There's also markets on the, the Brisbane Jockeys Premiership while we're on the Jockeys situation. Ryan Maloney is the $2 favourite there over Jim Byrne at two ten, And in Sydney, it is $1.05, James McDonald, which is roughly sometimes what he starts in the Jockeys Challenge every week. And in Adelaide, Jason Holder's a two eighty favourite over Todd Panel at $3. Ben Price at three fifty, and Kayla Crowther's next pick. So there's Brisbane, Melbourne, Adelaide and Sydney Jockeys Premiership markets available. Is that something that appeals to you, Dave? You ever had a, a bet on a, a Premiership before? Oh, I don't like having bets when you've got to wait that long. Yeah, <laughs> the <laughs> same as you. Sit there in the, in the old bet slip forever and... Uh... No, I prefer to uh, to be having a bit more of a uh, more immediate return. <laughs> yeah, you like turning it turning it over, uh, Chris. Uh, I might bring you in here when we get back to this uh, Sydney program on Saturday. We mentioned that uh, the feature of the day. Well, I, I'm calling it the feature anyway. The the race won by Oscar Zulu. We saw Batiga there chasing from a long way back. It was a, a, a decent tempo set by Prime Candidate. What are you taking away from race eight on Saturday? Um, well, I just thought. Um Oscar Zulu was perfectly ridden, stayed to the fence, and realistically, the best ride won the race, and just a bit of patience, and um, he's always been a good horse first up. The only time he's been beaten first up was by Count the Rupee, and um, uh, not often Chris Waller horses you can back with a little bit of confidence first up, but he was a, he was the right price on the weekend, and um, he, he got the job done. I thought, thought the, one, the others all back in the field had their chance to beat him. It'll be interesting to see what Chris does with him now wherever he goes to the Gold Coast with him. Mm, no doubt. And Purple Sector, I know you're you're keen to discuss him as a, a future prospect. Were you taken with his first up run under the big weight there? Well, he had a big weight and was wide all the way and basically had to do all the work. And he's always been a horse that's promised to go to another level but has disappointed. Um, hopefully this time in, when, when he gets steps up in distance, I think he probably needs to step up again in, in trip, but he... He he's he's probably good enough to knock off a nice race across the across the summer, and you know as they get to those two thousand meter races, he might even get get out to that trip. Batiga is he a horse we could stick with? Um, he had to chase from back, and he was first up. And he's he's another good first up horse. Um, 
He's one of those horses that um, he'll be going along a similar path to Purple Sector. And when you line up the two runs, I think you probably want to be with Perfect Sector over Batiga going forward. Not to say Batiga won't win races, but I think um, his best runs are usually his first couple. And um, that was good enough to say you could probably be him on him next time. But I think you're going to pay the penalty for, for him being Batiga. And he seems to start a bit shorter in the market than he actually should have on, on occasions. Munns, did the tab get a bit out of Big Boy Roy there? He was—he he seemed a well-backed favourite in that race. Uh, well, just looking at the the flux, Luke, I, I didn't—you know—I didn't have the system with yeah. me on Saturday. But he's the—he's the sort of horse that is always popular, uh, Big Boy Roy, and tends to be probably a little bit shorter. And, and when you combine the the J Mac factor as well, um, you know, they're shorter on the tote. Uh, than they sometimes are in the ring, which does make them very, very easy to lay in our business uh, with people comparing what they are on the paramutual to what they are fixed odds. Absolutely. Might jump back to the first, guys, because a, a question on the text line here for Davo in regards to uh, Himalayaism, the Waller two-year-old that was beaten in the first. But the question, Davo, is um, uh, more sort of uh, around going forward. Do you think it's a horse that is worth sticking with and is it a horse that could go to the Gold Coast? Um, well, he did a few things wrong early. He wanted to overrace when they decided to ride in that, that big fighter, guys. But I'm probably a little bit querying the format of that race. Um, the winner was coming out of a maiden at Warwick Farm, and, and while I, I she did a good job to get the job done, and, and she might be one who could progress over a bit further, I think, you know, the second horse uncorked looks a bit limited, and, and the third horse probably entitled to do a little bit more. He did wind up a little bit late in the piece, but... Um, he would need to improve sharply for mine to be in that sort of Magic Millions picture. And for me, I'm sort of happy to, to wait at this stage. We often see these, I suppose, these uh, well-bred yearlings, $950,000 out of a Group 1 winning mare. They start right in the market fresh. And there was a bit of money for him. But, um, yeah, you know, five-horse field, second horse is pretty limited for mine and uh, maybe just a little bit of a query on the form. I noticed, Brad, that uncorked, uncorked was a savage drift in the first race there after being odds-on in the morning. Um, and, you know, all it wanted to do was get out. Was there anything underwater with it in the yard? Did Lizzie bag it, or was it just the market saying it went up too short? Yeah, I think it was just the market saying it was too short more than anything. Munns, I think everyone sort of said the same thing. This is way too short. The format of that Max Lee's Classic year in, year out, pretty ordinary, I think it's fair to say. And I mean, there'd been seven subsequent starters out of that race leading in for two provincial placings at, at you know, maidens. So um, they were always going to get out and take it on. And it was just a case of finding one they could sort of zone in on. And they did that with Himalayaism and a little bit of support for Fireburn. And I think Fireburn's the horse to take out of the race. The, other, the others uh, need to find a bit for mine. Thanks, to that listener, for that text in regards to the first. Himalayaism not nominated uh, for the Magic Millions. He's, I think you'll find, Luke, I think you'll find he's out of the Easter sale, so yeah, he, he wouldn't yeah. be eligible for it. So I'd say he'd be looking to go to a Millennium or something like that if, they, if Chris feels he's up to that, that sort of level. So it's just getting him a run before Christmas. And realistically, um, the second the second horse in that is a small... Uh, it's a smaller Piero type, so you'd think it'd stretch a bit. It wasn't really a natural two-year-old. Um, Fireburn was comes out of that Maiden at Warwick Farm, but I think you'll find that Maiden at Warwick Farm it comes out of will throw up a lot of winners. That there's um, a few wraps on the horses that finished in front of him, and although they finished in a bunch, I think they're a pretty. They might be a pretty good bunch. It might be a race to follow. 
Punters Postmortem, you're with Brad Davidson, Chris Roots, Dean Lester and Luke Marlowe with you this morning. 135353 is that open line number. I might open it up to the panel since we're talking about two-year-olds about the Magic Millions. Uh, boys, is it is it just a case of cool and gadder and daylight at the moment? I, I might come to you first, Dino. She's, um, she looks a very good two-year-old, doesn't she? Well, she's uh, certainly the the benchmark uh, performance so far uh, and it was a thousand metres but uh, she's a, probably a more relaxed version of Enthahar that won the same race last year and uh, so you know she gives every impression that uh, 1200 won't hold any fears and uh, yeah she's got to be the, the starting point for any discussions uh, on the two-year-olds full stop I think at the moment let alone the Magic Millions. Jump in boys who wants to who wants to go next in regards to Cool and Gatta? Chris uh, have you been impressed with her? Yeah, she's done everything right, hasn't she? The trial the other day was good. She's gone up the coast now to Kieran's property up there and spent a bit of time up there before going to Boxing Day at uh, in Brisbane. J-Max um, doing his time so he can get into Queensland to ride her. So all the things line up with her, don't they? They, they point, point towards her. And there hasn't really been anything else that's come out and said, how about me? Mm. Well, you know, the second pick in the Magic Millions is now Soaring Ambition, who won the, the Wyong Magic Millions last Wednesday, and before Wyong was a 200-to-1 chance in the Magic Millions, having had a, had not had a run, uh, was $19 into $11 to win that race on Wednesday, overcame difficulties to win, was made, I think you'll find, $11 or so straight after the race, which put it on the second line of betting with Bright Blue Sky, who's the, the Kiwi uh, two-year-old, and since that point in time has firmed again, is now the $8 second favourite. Well, this race at um, in Brisbane on Boxing Day is going to uh, shape the, the Magic Millions market because Cool and Gatter will go in it. I think Bright Blue Sky is going there. I think Palazzo Spirit. Stupendo, Dino, which uh, won the, the, the Melbourne two-year-old race. Was it last Saturday? Well, a week ago, Saturday. Which one was that, Mun? Sorry, uh, Stupendo. Yes, he won last. Yeah, last Saturday. Yep. Um, and uh, looks as though he had a lot of improvement in him, but he'd need to. That uh, that was a pretty low ranking race, I think. Mm. So, so there's, Munz, would there's... you want to be taking a, Would you want to take on a, a New Zealand two year old the first time around the Gold Coast in Australia? Oh, well, Chris, how, how is it possibly marked a second pick? Well, that tells you there was nothing in the race. When you've got a Kiwi two-year-old made the second favourite for a race in Australia, uh, it tells you there was nothing there. That's why that's why Soaring Ambitions jumped out of the ground. You've got, you know, Swiss Exile uh, is one of the better back runners at the top of that market there. But, you know, even um, horses that have been beaten... Uh, have, have stayed a very, very similar price. You know, the Brisbane two-year-old, well, basically benchmark two-year-old in Brisbane at the moment is Palazzo Spirit, and it fell in the other day uh, to beat Swiss Exile, who bucked coming out of the barriers. Um, so, you know, something is waiting there to jump out of the ground to become a clear second pick when you consider that's what's happened with Soaring Ambition winning one race at while. It's good chat, yeah, boys. Love it. I agree, guys. I think it's pretty straightforward at this mm. stage, uh, uh, lot of still some water to go to the bridge, but she's just a natural, and she's clearly top pick at the moment. I can't really see too much else to, to to sort of be jumping up and down about. But like I said, the last couple of weeks we can often see a couple jump out of the woodwork. Even coming through the trials, there hasn't been that much around, has there? It's been it's been a sort of slow period. I think I think there's a there's a Tony Gollum two year old that got beaten at the Sunshine Coast. It's about fifteen dollars in the market. Name eludes me at the moment. Honeypot. Honey, Honey pot. Pot. It, it was the, the, it, 
he missed the start five at the Sunshine Coast, but realistically, if you're going to win a Magic Millions, you've got to be able to overcome that against horses in Brisbane. Yeah, it was a it was sort of the the big trialer uh, in Brisbane before it went to the the Sunshine Coast. There, I think it was a, a six hundred ninety meter trial at Deegan months. Yeah, but the, the other thing was it put on a performance going into the barriers. Took a very very long while to load going mm. in, and then missed the start five. Um, but you know you you have to want to see it again. Again, of course, Muns remembered the name of Honeypot. You've had the hand in the Honeypot your whole life, haven't you, Muns? Oh, please, Luke, I'm the man that's putting the honey in the pot. <laughs> Max has called in. He's got a question for you, actually, Munns. Uh, good morning to you, Max. Uh, morning, boys. Yeah. G'day, Munns. Glory, glory. Yes, good morning, Max. Uh, Great to see uh, a mascot boy, Cameron Murray, being made uh, uh, the yeah, captain of the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Yeah, fantastic. It was, Munns. May you boo there for years to come too, mate. What's your mate, question, Max? Um, I take a lot of parlays, mate. What happens when I end up with a scratching through the day, a late scratching in the guitar late? Well, just that leg drops out. Yeah. Just, okay, so do I sort of get a refund on me? Like I said, I take a four horse one with a one, two, three, four. Gombo is 15 bucks a unit. Do I yeah, get a... The, you get the one back. Do I get yeah, the one you, back? you get your single back. Yep. Yep. And... Then your investment, and then, then you're having basically three horse parlay. Yeah, okay. And yeah, the the two horse ones just become single bets on the winners, you know, on the others. Yeah, yeah. and the three horse ones becomes doubles. Doubles. And the, yep. Yeah. And your one your one four becomes a treble. Okay. Thanks for that, Munch. Um Just can I have a little bitch about one thing though? Mate, you you, you wouldn't be alone in doing it. Uh, right, yeah. Uh, I take a lot of running doubles, mate. Stand something out for the field, you no, know, for a long shot. Um, yeah, if I end up with a scratching, I always get the favourite. I'd rather take a special dip than cop the favourite, mate. A lot of times. Well, that's the sub. That's the sub rule. Yeah, I, I know. Hmm. Yeah, and, and there's yeah. there's different there's different subs in in different forms of betting. Like the the, the quaddy sub is different to the big six sub. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But if you've if you've got you know six or seven days, we could sit down on a desert island somewhere and work it all out. (laughs) (laughs) No one wants that punishment, Mm. (laughs) Munz. All right, thanks very much, mate. Max, does that appeal to you being on a deserted island with Munz? Yeah, Munz is partial to a beer, so (laughs) yeah. yeah. (laughs) And a South supporter, so yeah, not too bad. Don't worry, mate. I'd arrange some sponsorship. There'd be beverages there. We wouldn't dehydrate. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> hey, that's a go, mate. I like your, I like your style, mate. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Max. You have a, a great day. And uh, thirteen fifty-three fifty-three is that open line number. Uh, text on the line here, guys, about Weta that won race number five on Saturday at Randwick. Uh, he beat the Wallarami there. Uh, of course, Chris Waller had four runners. They ran second through to fifth, but Weta. Davo, in the end, he uh, he just knows where the line is, this horse, doesn't he? He's a real winner. He does. He's just a ripper, isn't he? And He's a horse that might be able to really really progress through to the autumn. I'm, I'm not sure what their plans are. Um, Chris might have more of an idea there, but he, he's still doing a bit wrong. He can still be a little bit slow out. He wanted to be a touch keen there on the weekend, but he's got that brilliant turn of foot, and that's so rare over the trip to 2,000 metres. He looks like he's going to eat up 2,400 metres, and... I've said it many, many times on the Big Sports Breakfast. I don't think there's much of a gap between these benchmark races and group races when it comes to middle distance horses in Australia. I think they can, they can if they're progressive enough, they can take that step with, with, with ease. So 
he looks like one that you know three from three in Australia, considering his racing pet, and he's done a, a terrific job. And uh, I think yeah, he, he's definitely one that can progress and, and maybe be a player in the autumn. Do you agree, been, Chris? Yeah, he's been a bit of a surprise packet, I think, to the Snows. They thought they might have to get a couple of runs into him before he be a winning hope, but he's he's done the job all three times. And just keeps doing it. Like he's going to be be now um, probably have to be put away. They might look at a summer cup or something like that or one of these staying races that come up in January which is uh, there are plenty of them then put him away and maybe have a look at a Sydney Cup or something like that he's certainly going to be at the bottom of the weights and have a really good chance chance in the autumn to be be a major player well we saw him uh, successful up over 2400 meters uh, when he was overseas so the fact he's doing it at a mile and 2,000 is certainly uh, promising for the future with Weta. He's got a massive advantage advantage over some horses as he wants to find the line. The others are treating it as though it's kryptonite. And the other thing with him is that he's going to to continue to to get better because um, when there's so much scope for him left, left in him and he's one of the first horses the Snowdens have gone over and bought themselves from Europe. So it's a it's a big plus for them because they found the right one to start with, which means more people will be looking to get into the next one they go over and find in France. Let's um, address uh, something very importantly uh, important here, boys. Uh, a listener has chimed in on the text line thanking Dino for his efforts on Saturday. Not to be missed, Dino. Uh, I see that this listener is very happy. There might be something coming in the post, mate, for Christmas. Uh, well found at the big odds not to be, not to be missed on Saturday. Well, that sounds exciting, Luke. Uh, anything in the mail's uh, gratefully received. Uh, as long as it's from... not ticking. <laughs> exactly. Oh, well, that's right. Exactly. Um, but no, he look, that horse, uh, not to be missed, he'd been going really well until Melbourne Cup Day, and they just got it wrong, Melbourne Cup Day. That was their grand final. They bought him to win the, uh, the grey race, the sub-zero handicap. They bought him from Perth. They gave him two runs, uh, rode him back, and he really hit the line, and on, in the Sub-Zero Handicap, they uh, they punch forward on him, and uh, that's just not the way to ride him. So, uh, freshened up. He trolled really well. He actually trolled with the favourite. It's our time, and uh, he was really making ground on him, and it was nearly a carbon copy on Saturday, and just that uh, he actually got It's Our Time right on the line. Who ran very well. Uh, he's going well. He'll probably go to a race like the Standish, and, uh, which is in a couple of weeks now. It's not on New Year's Day anymore. I think it's on the 15th, so uh, he'll run well again, but uh, no, not to be missed. I think it was a bit of a long odds plunge by the stable too, so I think uh, yeah, the uh, the Nick Ryan stable, they got a very good result there. Well, he, uh, like you said, he was a good horse in WA. I remember backing mm. him a, bit, a fair bit over there. He, he just had that booming finish, and is that what appealed to you that you thought he could turn it around just that he was ridden upside down the run before yeah exactly right yeah um you know that i think uh you know they learned a lot from that they'd only had him the two runs and and uh, probably should have stuck with that plan uh, on the on their biggest day but uh didn't work out and uh but uh saturday did so uh yeah they got the, they got the flemington win they desired just about six weeks later than they anticipated yeah, great job, mate. That was in race seven uh, on Saturday at Flemington. And David has called in. He's got a question for Dino. Morning, David. Good morning. Yeah, Dino, I want to go back a week, mate, to uh, not last Saturday, Saturday before. Uh, yes. Skyman. Um, I had a reasonable sort of bet on it. And uh, I don't like bagging uh, jockeys, but I 
Thornton running up the back of that many horses in the straight, it wasn't funny. You know, what did you think of the what do you think of the horse and what did you think of the run if you remember it? Um I think we're going back a couple of weeks, aren't we? Are we going back to Packenham Cup? Is that what you're talking about? No, no, no. It was at, uh, it was at Flemington, uh, not last Saturday, not not the Saturday, just gone the Saturday before. It was in about um, race seven. Is it the Chris Waller horse, David? Yeah, yeah. that's the Yeah, the Chris Waller horse, but yeah. I, I can't yeah, remember. He hasn't had a run since Packenham. No. Yeah, he hasn't had a run was three runs ago. Yeah, yeah. So was he, Packenham, was it? Packenham Cup was his last run. Yeah, not much right. went right for him there, yeah. Yeah, he's had a long prep. Uh, I've never seen a horse that needs a wider draw more than him, and he got it the other day at Packenham. And before that, he'd drawn. Uh, you'd have it there, Munz. I think he drew like one, 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 three, one, one, or something. It was uh, amazing that he kept drawing inside. And I think he's a better horse outside horses. So uh, I don't know if he's still going to keep going on in this preparation. But uh, yeah, not much has gone quite right for him this campaign. No. He's listed as spelling at the moment on uh, Racing go. Australia, so he might have gone for a break. He's yep. he's rider though, Damien Thornton. He's he's on fire at the moment. He rode yeah. seven yeah. winners, yeah. well, thirty six hours or something. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks guys. Thanks, Ben. Good on you, David. Thanks for the call, mate. Um, watch out for Skyman uh, when he comes back. Let's go to John on line two, who's called in. Morning, John. Morning, Luke. How are you? I'm going well, mate. Uh, what's your question? I just want to ask you if you know, um, are you calling the races at Tuncurry on the 15th of January? I'm not sure at this stage, John. Mm. I um, I don't think we... We haven't got our roster for January just yet, mate. Um, I think uh, that'll come out shortly. So uh, I can't answer that for you. I'm sorry. Oh, well, that was all just because I'm going up there. We're going up there too. We just thought of just um, come and say good day to you. That's all. Mate, that'd be nice. It's a fantastic part of the world, isn't it, Tuncurry? Do you get up there a little bit? <laughs> Yeah, we get up there for a bit. We go uh, stay up there for a bit, you know, when the races are on. Good man, mate. It's a it's a good club. It's a, a great day out, and uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy yourself up there, John. Oh, sure, I know I will. <laughs> I I, th- I think they had a similar meeting uh, this year around that second Saturday in January, and uh, there was there was a hat full of people there because yeah. well the borders were closed, no one could go to the Magic Mans from New South Wales. There's a lot of people. Um, I know just social media-wise we're posting photos for sure at uh, that uh, Tun Curry meeting this time, uh, well, that time uh, this year. Uh, Rod Fuller's uh, calling there. Kevin Wolfe has just advised me, uh, John, so you can heckle Rod instead. <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't have a, you didn't have a spray to give me or something, John, did you? I no, 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 it's great, mate. I don't like the regular <laughs> Beautiful. I just want to say good day to you in uh, person, that's all. You're a champion, mate. Well, hopefully we cross paths at some stage and say good day any time. All right, mate. Thanks. Thanks very much. Good man, John. Thanks very much for the call. So, Munz, it's a, uh, it's a good club tongue, Curry. Have you ever been to the races there? No, I've only uh, been to that, that part a couple of times. A mate of mine has a house at Boomerang Beach, uh, which is, uh, I'll take you probably 40 minutes to get from Boomerang Beach to the other side of Foster to, to Tuncurry where the races are. I've been to uh, the Tuncurry Golf Club, uh, which is on the other side of town there, uh, Luke, and uh, it's not a bad golf course up there, but no, I haven't got to the races. I actually had a beer with Terry Evans a few weeks ago. No, it was a at a wedding man. I was at, yep. and uh, he's, the, he's the man there. He's the king of um, Tuncurry and uh, the Tuncurry race course there where he t- trains his horses and uh, he's, a, he's a man that's been punching up for that area for a number of years and uh, unfortunately they lost a meeting there not too long ago 
but uh, it's, I, I, what I like watching the races there, they don't have a lot of meetings, but I'd love to see if the people that are in the property there, I think it's about the 1,200-metre start, they set up the, the little um, tent and the, the, the chairs and everything, and they spend their day in their back paddock. Uh, with a, with an esky and a few cold ones and watching the races. Tell you what, that doesn't sound too bad at all. It is 9.42. This is Punter's Postmortem. You've got Brad Davidson, Chris Roots, Dean Lester. 13.53.53 is that open line number. We'll take a break. Back with more after this. The Punter's Panel is the Punter's Pal. Brutality. He's, um, you know, on the three consecutive Saturdays. He's done that before and won, and he's going to enjoy the likely wet track as well. It's Brutality and Ellsberg fighting out the Villiers. It's Brutality. Baylor sits down to ride it out, and Brutality too good in the Villiers. One and a half length to Ellsberg. The Putters Panel, Friday morning on Racing HQ. The stars are out for Slam Dunk Saturdays. Oh, my God. It doesn't get any better than non-stop hoops with live games all day, every week on ESPN with KO. Remember the name, ladies and gentlemen. Wake up and watch NBA superstars LeBron James, Kevin Durant and Luka Doncic go at it. Then catch the biggest stars in the NBL like Aussie legend Matthew Dellavedova and reigning MVP Bryce Cotton. Don't miss Slam Dunk Saturdays on ESPN with KO. This Boxing Day, we're going big. Featuring an after-the-last concert by Hot Dub Time Machine, pop-up food stalls and bars and thrilling racing. This is what summers are made for. December 26th at Royal Randwick. Book now at theraces.com.au. For radio lovers, it all adds up. You make us laugh. You make us sing. Connect us all to everything. There so we can have our say. There when our team goes all the way. There to make it a better day. It all adds up. Now there's even more for us. Extra stations, in fact, 20 plus. All our favourites will still be found, but the difference now is digital sound. Free from fuss and free for us. There's more radio to love on DAB+. This is Punter's Postmortem. Want to get something off your chest? Call us on 13 53 53. SMS 0419 767 272. Or send us a tweet at... Sky Sports Radio 1. It's great to have you with us. 9.44, Punters Postmortem, Brad Davidson, Chris Roots, Dean Lester, and your calls, 13.53.53, if you'd like to reach out. Um, Francesco Gardi on the weekend, boys. A few texts about him on the line. And, Davo, I thought for a moment at the furlong, it was played again, Sam, from last start, where he, he hit the lead and, and sort of got nutted, but he found the line this time. He did find the line, and... You know, there was a lot made last week, wasn't there? Some people questioning he, if he's genuine and saying he wanted to turn it up, which, you know, I think is uh, way overplayed. But personally, look, I think he's just doing it on potentially on ability, guys. A lot of mounting yard experts have said this horse is just not right in the coat at all. And he might be one of those that just hasn't settled in yet, and, and he's still doing it. He's still racing really well. Um, it was a sort of performance that you go, might have got the win out of him in this preparation. Uh, I wouldn't be too keen to jump in again next time out. But knowing Chris Waller, he might give him a little break now and, and bring him back. But, you know, first prep in Australia to run, what, uh, four second, second, first at his last four in town. He's done a pretty good job. And if he's able to acclimatise a bit better next time in, we know second prep Chris Waller is always a, a massive plus when they're able to go through that training method. You know, go out, start from scratch. They just tend to improve. And he might be one that can do that. You're on him. Well done. You, you got your shots there on Saturday, but it wasn't an easy watch, was it? 
No, it wasn't. Um, and I backed him in the end. Um, my primary was Amica, but I, I just thought, Chris, that uh, when he did loom up, he, um, he he was going to have a think. But this, uh, getting a win on the board can do plenty for a horse's confidence. Not that he hadn't won a race prior, but I'm sure that will give him confidence. I know it's a cliche, but I do think it's an important thing with a racehorse. Yeah, and um, you're a gay man, Luke, because I think a couple of the other fellow, my fellow paddle paddle members have um, dropped off him after mm. after getting $7 and watching him run second. So. Yeah. Um, Oh, I did was, notice he was, he's quite he was quiet there. He didn't, that person you're alluding to. He did, mm. he did enough to win. He did enough to win. Now, interestingly, he was bought as a two-year-old over, uh, bought as a yearling over in Europe, and um, went went to James Ferguson. Chris Waller was explaining, and and was always the case that they were going to bring him out here and race him, race him out here eventually. So, I think this is the this is the preparation he has to have, and we'll find out how good he is. Um, I'd say with a winter preparation, maybe the end of autumn if, if Chris sends him for a break now and um, he just looks like a horse that can progress from that meeting um, not that he beat uh, a field that you would, would say had, are, are all on their way up but he, he got the job done on Saturday and um, to the joy of punters who were able to get I think he got out to $2.60 mm. Yeah, I'm just dirty on him because I took $5.50 at the other day less 6 cent deduction and I ran $2.20 <laughs> Munza, tell you what, um, should be listed in the form. Munz off. Um, gee, they improve. I hope, I hope you, someone followed us into Fashionale, though, Saturday. Yes, right? that was well found. Well, let's go to that race, boys, because it looked a map that she could get some sort of control, and we saw that tactics change filter through throughout the morning, and uh, she was probably a came winner. Probably came after Punner's panel on Friday. Yeah. Well, you, were, you were issuing instructions to McAvoy. You're not bad. Well, they turned out all right. <laughs> sure did. We were impressed with well, she went back last start. She went back last start and was um, okay to the line. But when she gets control like that, she's a she's a she's a good little mare, and she's been a good money spinner for them now. And there's probably another win in her in the right race with the right tempo. She was good, wasn't she, Davo Fashionel? Found her race, didn't she? Yeah, she definitely found her race there on the weekend. Well found by Munns and, and a few others. I think you were pretty keen on it too, Luke, on the uh, punters panel on Friday too. But I, I call this the, the absolute golf cart theory, guys. Um, <laughs> you all jump on a golf cart and you, you hit pedal to the metal and say if there's five of you next to each other, you all go the same speed home. And that's exactly what they did here. They found their spot and they all just went the same speed home, pedal to the metal on the golf cart, and they just they just did that. That's what happened. And that's what can sometimes happen when you've got these mares that are sort of in between that Wednesday to Saturday level and they're, they're racing well without sort of, you know, I guess I guess they've kind of all found their mark to a degree and, and that's what that's what Saturday's race um, sort of panned out like. She was able to get that soft lead, but nothing made ground at all. Air to air was well backed again and disappointing down the outside. Pulled up slow to recover, but gee, she's um, had plenty of hope. But yeah, there's just nothing that was able to make ground. And you're right, when you know, and sometimes when you look at those races, they're able to get that soft lead. That can that can prove all the difference. The race was over after with six hundred to go because simply she you knew what um, Fashionel was going to do and you knew there was probably nothing behind her that could 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 come from behind her and run run that sort of time run better than that time. So she it was just just a, a brilliant ride by by Kieran and that, that's um, that's that's what won, won the race. It was uh, as Mun's Mun's issued the tactics, he, he got them right and I'm sure John O'Shea will be sending him a bottle of Bollinger there for for the for Christmas Day. <laughs> well, that's yeah, right, Christmas man. time. 
It's yeah. Christmas time. Surely yeah. something, John. Yeah. Anything. Just, just a crumb. Yeah. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> just elaborate on that theory, Davo. Is that um, you're talking a slow tempo and, and an even field? Is that, the, is that sort of what you're getting at or is it a uh, – just elaborate on it a bit more for us. Well, it can be, yeah. It can be a, a slow tempo out in front. As Chris said, when they do that, they're not able to, to sprint home. They all just sprint home at the, at the yeah. same sort of sectionals because they've all got energy up. But it's also in a race where the field's well exposed, the horses have found their mark, and they're, they're not... There's none with real dash that, that are, you know, real progressive. And that's being respectful, you know, trying to be respectful to the field here. They're, they're those fillies and mares that are, that, you know, they're racing in Saturday grade, so they're good horses. But they're all sort of... You know, some are looking for a bit of a wetter track, and and some were a bit one pace. So sometimes when you find that sort of setup, you can you can just find a leader that goes like that, and they all just they all just run home the same pace. So then the leader just keeps on going, and and away you go. So um, yeah, it, it, you can see it sometimes in in races um, with the slow setup or, or with horses that are well exposed and and might not have that real back. Yeah, I understand. Um, yeah, finding the leader in an even race, there's probably something in it. Dino, you'd have, I'm sure, a number of things ingrained in you from years of doing the form that, that you would look to. Is that something you've ever given any any sort of thought to, uh, a leader in, in sort of an even contest? Yeah, I hadn't heard it in that uh, connotation before. I, I call them a Grand Prix race, that they get to the first corner, find their spot, and not much overtaking goes on. So, uh, yeah, that sort of thing certainly is a, is a dynamic that you, you can see in a race, and uh, especially as uh, uh, Brad said, with the evenly graded uh, mares races, that sort of you know, off-season sort of races, you don't get that. And then you get a race on Saturday, like down here, the second last race that... There was five leaders, and they—they're not any of them are not ones that take a backward step. So you know that they, something from the back was going to win, and the the punters just uh, sold into high and dry because that was the you now the way the race was going to be run, and ultimately won. So yeah, the the two different dynamics of a race. Yeah, absolutely. Of, um, of many others too. Yeah. And and when you're just to to elaborate on on my previous question, when you're doing the form, Dino, do you have sort of things written down in front of you, some sort of I guess commandments or rules that you might abide by when you're sort of dissecting a race, or it's just ingrained and it's sort of a subconscious thing? Not really, but I like to try and have a bit of a profile on every horse, you know, there and you know their strengths and weaknesses, and then if if the race that they're running in. Uh, place to their strengths, well, then you're starting to think, well, th- this is a race that they can win in. And I'm going back to that race on Saturday. High and dry is a big track, dry track, speed on horse. And he got all of, all of those on Saturday and he dropped seven kilos on his last run. So all of a sudden he becomes one that you know, you're really gravitating to because uh, that's, you know, that's where his profile takes you. Yeah, no, it's fascinating, mate. I always enjoy getting your thoughts on, on the way you sort of think it out and work it out. And Davo, for yourself, uh, any commandments? Uh, I'm sure you'd be a bit of a commandments man. You, you've got a few rules that you don't break, I know. Yeah, I, I, well, I've been keeping my sort of results now for last five years and each six months I look at those and work out where I'm going right and where I'm going wrong. And one, one thing that I've just Put a blanket ban now is backing any back marker in any race. So if they settle in the last three, then just just cannot cannot entertain them. Doesn't matter what because long term I I just cannot finish in front on those sort of horses. But one thing that's helped me in good stead is just to have a good structure when I do the form. And I read a book a while ago. I can't remember the author, but it's about checklists and checklists. You know, like they even they even talked about it in hospitals and things like this and how having a checklist in a hospital. 
um, ahead of a surgery, like just put, took out so just basically eradicated all the all the mistakes um, that were happening at a at a certain hospital, and it was it was kind of put right throughout a, a country. I think it was in America, and they did it, and and it just it just made so many differences. So that's what I've got. I've got a checklist where. I go through the same. There's about 12, 14 points for every horse, so I will come up with a with a number for a horse. I will, you know, my database. I will go, yep. I'll look at all them. I'll have a starting number that I'll do, and then I've got about 12 or 14 points I go through on every horse. Some horses outside that I give absolutely none to, I'll just I'll just let them go and just yeah. give them a number and let them go. But all those horses that I think are a genuine chance, I'll go through those 14 points on my checklist for each horse and adjust that number to get to get a prize. And I find that very good for structure because you're not missing things when i when i didn't have that checklist i would go gee i would miss things you know but now i've got that checklist i don't miss anything for any horse and and it's held me in really good stead i find it interesting and we're all different aren't we in the way we absorb information and and sort of learn uh chris do you have any sort of rules or punting uh guides that you go by well well, when i start doing the form and I, i sort of do it a lot differently to how Brad and Dino do it because I, I don't use ratings. I, I, I tried. I went down that that path and thought it was it was it was good, but it didn't give me didn't feel right to me. So you're more I of a video man, aren't you? Horse, more a video man, aren't yeah, you? I find, yeah. yeah, I find two or two or three horses in the in the race that that I I, I think are the benchmark horses, and then uh, of the race, and then try and work back work the other horses up against them. So. If I find one that I think's at a right price and things like that, I'll try and find find get a feeling to whether the price is at the right percentage to to be backing it. So, say you get a ten to one chance that's a ten percent chance of winning the race, and I feel it's got a thirty percent chance to win the race, I'll I'll back it and sort of work backwards there and say, well, under the right conditions, this horse will um will beat the favourite on numerous occasions and. That's what happened in the first. I think I spoke to you on Friday, on Thursday night, um, about the first race at yeah. um, at, at Ramwick on the weekend, and I, I felt that I feel that that race at Warwick Farm is one of the better form two year old races of the year. I didn't like I didn't want to take on didn't like a Chris Waller first starter, and I didn't like the form from Newcastle. So I could have, I could have got the Fireburn a lot shorter and. If, in in terms of a price price it would have probably for me would have been about a two to one shot and it went around five dollars so it had to be a bet yep look there's a, i mean there's just an absolute stack of different ways you can find winners but you've got to find what works for you and that that you can you can do and if you want a visualization i, I think uh you know like brad was saying about the checklist you know you watch the golfers and and every shot they play they use the same routine i think if you've got a routine about how you go about Every race, uh, get into that. You know, whether it be a speed map, whether it be prices, whether it be as Chris said, you know, benchmarking a horse and then working off that. Just, just do the same thing over and over. That that's been working for you. Make sure it's working for you. It's no good if it's uh, running you at a loss, but uh, if it's working for you, go for it. Yeah, well said. I enjoyed that chat, boys. Um, it's very interesting. And you know what, Dino. We can we can go down the rabbit hole and get that deep into the form and, and overcomplicate it. Sometimes simplicity is a wonderful thing too. Find the best horse, put your money Start, on. That's the starting yeah. point. That that is the starting point in any race. If you find the best horse, you 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 know you're well on the way. And you know, the, uh, look, I, I I love delving into the you know the the uh, 
profit on turnovers and all that, but the bloke down the pub, he just wants to turn his 20 into 50 so he can buy a chicken parma and a pot. And... That that's his that's his turnover figure. So uh, you know that's if you're yeah, doing, and that's, a, and that's if you're what doing we're that every weekend. To. If you're doing that every weekend, if you're a bloke who's going down the pub and you're going home with a bit of money in your pocket and taking the chow mein home to, yeah. to the missus, uh, you know, you, it's a pretty happy life, isn't it? Because um, not not everyone gets right into it and wants to wants to do it at a, le- at a level. But it's a it's a it's a pastime that everyone can enjoy. But enjoy joy joy in the right way and not not get too deep deep in and lose too much. But you know, there's a lot of different ways of doing it and to find a way that you can find winners, there's there's a certain satisfaction in finding a winner that no one else has found as well. No doubt. And that's probably the most important variable, isn't it, Munns? Uh, keeping the better half happy if you've had a good day or a bad day. <laughs> well, you know, it depends how long they've been around, Luke. Um, you know, the longer the longer they've been around, the easier it is to explain if it has been a bad day. Uh, they know. that, And they'll pick up before you uh, more often than not before, uh, if you've only been home for five minutes, whether it's been good, bad or indifferent. <laughs> no, I can yeah. remember when um, this is many, many, many years ago uh, when I was running my business with the, the prices and the, the tipping and everything and uh, Denise actually helped me of the mo- of a morning. We had three phones going and fax machines and things sitting out, and, and she'd know before I got home because she'd had all, she'd had all the prices, all the tips, everything like that. So uh, on, on good days, you'd even get a phone call, uh, you know, half an hour after the last. You'd be on your way home. These are the days when phones were only in your car. They weren't mobile phones. They were in your car, and it was always, oh, how'd you go, Dale? Knowing full well that, you know... Um, if I followed the, the, what I told everyone to do during the day, it'd be all right. But um, you couldn't sugarcoat it and you couldn't hide if you uh, had had a good day. 100%. And, and Mums, how many times did you have to go to the Chinese shop and have have nothing in your pocket after you didn't didn't follow your own tips? <laughs> oh, no. No, no, I didn't go there. I, I didn't go to the China. I just went straight to the fridge and yeah, tried to obliterate <laughs> the day. <laughs> and it wasn't Pepsi Max. I'm no, I'm no, no, certainly not. It was the next morning. <laughs> Boys, I need some horses to follow off you. I might start with you, Dino. Oh, two winners I haven't mentioned yet from Saturday. I think they're the two best winners of the day, and so they they'll be good summer horses because they're uh, they're low in grade and they can just keep winning. And that's Squid Game from race two. Uh, he was ridden back and got the money, but we've seen him on debut ridden forward. We've seen him at the trials ridden forward. He's two from two. He's a price bloodstock horse, so there was a lot of thought that he might be going to Hong Kong, but I don't think he can. So uh, I think we'll see plenty of him, and he's a good horse going through the grades. And Gentleman Roy, uh, who won race five, rode the speed, rode a fast speed, and won easily. Uh, he's going very well, two from two this campaign. Half brother to Jack and Obey, and uh, I think he's got a good future. He'll, he'll keep winning races. Fantastic. What about for you, Chris Roots? I have to be with Purple Sector going forward. That was too big a run to ignore, and I've always thought, had a bit of an opinion of him. So we'll be looking at him in his next two or three runs and hopefully getting something out of him there. And I think the Boppo's come back, the horse that he's always promised to be. That was a big win on the weekend. Beautiful ride by Hugh Bowman. And um, I think Francis O'Shea and, and the team there in Newcastle are going to have a really good time with it. Brad Davidson? Yeah, I'm with uh, Purple Sector as well. Uh, wide no cover. The first time he won a trial leading in as well in his whole career. So I think he's in a really good space and I thought he was the run of the day there, or one of the runs of the day. Um, too much to bear. The other one that I want to follow out of the, uh, the meeting guys, um, and we talked about him first up, I, I think he's just going to improve as the 
as the as the prep goes on. So they're, they're the two for me. The, the checklist manifest, manifesto was that uh, book. If anyone's interested, it's not just for form, but if anyone wants to add a bit more structure or anything like that, check it out. It's a good book. Good stuff, mate. And what about for you, Glenn Munsey? No, I'm going to pass, Luke. I, oh. I didn't spend anywhere near the amount of time that I normally did uh, looking at the races on Saturday. I've still got a few uh, replays to look at, so uh, I, I wouldn't be just plucking a name out of the sky. I don't like to do that. I like to do uh, actually look at them properly before I work out a horse to follow. Oh, that's admirable of you, Muns. Admirable, I must say. Mm. And with Brad, would that checklist book help me with my putting? You're putting, uh, <laughs> rather yeah, than punting. You could probably put under the under the last uh, thing on your checklist. Just back whatever you're back last start, next start, and you might uh, you might start turning your punting fortunes around, man. Well, you know, I'll, bring you, I'll a, bring you a putting book today, Muns. Rude, I'll sort you out. Yeah. Yeah. Dean tipped about five winners in a row in Adelaide of a Saturday, and then I chimed in the other day, and I think that's the first time he's tipped a loser this year. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. They no do worry. have to carry a bit more with me, don't they, Dean? They do. Yeah, it's a re-handicapping that should be in all form guides. <laughs> How is the golf, Muns? Um, it's... It, Tita Green is uh, very, very good at the moment, Luke, but still having a, a few issues. I'm sort of averaging sort of about 34, 35 uh, every round. So, uh, and 45 uh, putts. Yeah, yeah. You might I want to watch get... Charlie Woods and Andy oh, putts. What about oh, him, Dean? Oh, Charlie, what about that? <laughs> hey? oh, what about the way he dialed in some of those shots? Oh, oh, oh Santa yeah. getting the money. Santa and the son won the father-son. Yeah, son. yeah yes. John Daly and his son. <laughs> yes. yeah. Well, he's a flusher too, little John. Oh, yeah, but player. he's a bit older. I mean, Charlie's yeah. 12. Seriously. 12. I mean, we 12. we can get excited, guys, but he has to be on tour one day, doesn't he, Dino? Um, Charlie. Before he's 18. Oh, God, <laughs> he can uh, play. Yeah, he can. He can really play. And, and how uh, exciting for the sport that he yeah. he could he could sort of follow in Dad's footsteps. That'd be awesome. Don't worry about that. Chris Roots is my four-ball partner in about another 35 minutes, so let's oh. hope he's, uh, he's hitting them like Charlie today. Well, boys, have a, have a great day. Thanks so much for coming on to Punters Postmortem today. You boys have a good day on the golf course. And Dino, you have a good day down there in Melbourne. Terrific. Thank you, Luke. Thanks, Davo. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Merry Christmas to all the, uh, the Punters Postmortem listeners as well, guys. Hope you have a great weekend. And, uh, yeah, good, good luck on the pun over the festive season. Good on you, mate. Thanks for coming on. Hit them straight, Muns. Yeah, thanks, Luke. Thanks, uh, Merry Christmas, and congratulations to Paul Joyce uh, gaining yeah. the uh, uh, the managerial position with uh, Tommy Berry. So that's uh, coinciding with P- Paul's move to the Gold Coast. So uh, he'll be our Southeast Queensland form representative and taking on the role of Tommy Berry's manager. Yeah, you just got the nod over you, Muns. I saw you kicking up on Twitter. You're too good. Yeah, and I, I spoke to Tommy. I, I didn't want to take a pay cut uh, to go and work for Tommy, but uh, well done to Joycey, who's uh, managed uh, Peter Robel in the past and also Ty England. So it's it, it's not a new new uh, career for Joycey. Have a good day, Muns. And Chris, I hope the shoulders are nice and strong. You'll be carrying Muns today in the golf. Yeah, let's just hope we can buy them well, you know. <laughs> Nip one, pearl one's the best way to go, isn't it? You'll be right, boys. Have a good day. That's been Punters Postmortem. Thanks for your company as well. It is four minutes past ten. Coming up on Sky Sports Radio, we'll preview Tamworth with Gary Harley.